0: You're listening to Everything's Totally Fine. I'm Allie Hoff and I'll be your host. Each episode, we bring you people who tell stories about their lives. These aren't just any people. They're the toughest we can find. So join us to hear about the times we pretend that everything's totally fine. Our guest this week is a former prisoner of war. He's 86 years old, and he's a retired associate mathematics professor from North Dakota State University. He got his master's degree from the Illinois Institute of Technology. And before that, he was awarded the prestigious National Science Foundation Faculty Fellowship. Fred Herring says that his two greatest investments in life are Betty and the land. And today he'll start us off with a story at the beginning of World War II. At the time, he was living where he's from, an island in Indonesia called Java.
1: During the war, I was picked up by the Japanese. I was then uh, 15 years old.
0: He was captured by a group of Japanese soldiers, and he became a forced laborer along with other boys his age.
1: We were trained to become uh, welders, and and so during the period that I had to work there, I became then a welder. so I was to work in that in that factory. It was the former Netherlands Industry, and my work consisted of welding practically anything that that could be welded together. And uh, so things were pretty good, and and uh, we I, I was a forced laborer, but I was able to go home. Uh, to my sister and my brother-in-law who lived also in, in who, who, who were living in Surabaya at that time
0: then. Surabaya is the capital of East Java, and it should be said, because Fred is an unfailing optimist, that four million people in Indonesia died from forced labor or famine during this period of Japanese occupation in Java.
1: But I had to, of course, report every day, and the super boss of us, which is, of course, in Japanese, uh, in this case, it was a young lieutenant that was was sort of the boss of our little group, 27 young men between 15 and 17 years old. I was then just 15, no, I just became 16, yeah. And eventually, he said, you know, what we're gonna do in in this, in the forty, in, in in about half an hour after lunchtime, we could do a little boxing. He was um, he was most probably a boxing fan, and somehow he was able to have us uh, construct and ring. Uh, the, the poles and so on were easy to find, and and of course uh, we had to do some boxing. And he was in the person who picked out two of the boys and of similar uh, height and similar build and so on in order to fight three rounds, I think three rounds of two minutes, I believe.
0: So the super boss would pick out the boys that would fight?
1: Well, he was just part, uh, uh, the, 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 it was a Japanese lieutenant who picked out the boys. And, and so you
0: would fight? During your lunch?
1: Right? After we've got he's give us about half an hour for for our little bit bit of soup. You know we got the soupy soupy soup, with a little bit of rice, and that was it. So you it takes only about five minutes to eat whatever that little cup of soup that you eat, and then so we got together then and we and then we start boxing and it would pick.
0: Were you tired? from working did you not well no this
1: was lunch you see well all you do is just you sit on your hunches very often to to or standing to in order to weld the two things to 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 together so that was our routine and and during that period for about two three weeks we did that regularly and I I, I I got my turns to box this and to box the other guy and so forth and so forth. But finally came the time that we heard that he was going to leave and he said, one more one more time for boxing.
0: So the Japanese lieutenant who had been organizing the matches was being transferred out of that factory. Another thing that will be helpful to know is that that lieutenant would also sometimes call Fred a Ringo.
1: And so one of the last uh, matches... The time necessary for this last match was that I was very surprised to hear that he said, know. I'm going to box you. You box me," and I said, "No, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to box you." He said, well, you box me." I said, "No, I'm, I'm not allowed to uh, to 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 hit a Japanese," and he says, "Well, this is different. This is sport, you know, and and I I really want you to box me." And 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 that is that is a deadly sin at that time. That you know when you are certainly not allowed to 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 even touch a Japanese soldier or something like that. Mm-hmm. And if he slaps you, you can certainly not slap back because that's that is punishable by being sent to the Kampitai And and everyone knows how cruel the Kampitai is. And my friends, my corner, so to say, said, "Come on, Fred. You know this is a ch- this is a very chance of, for you to hear the Japanese, of course, in Dutch." So he could not understand what we were saying, but they were cheering me on to accept that. So reluctantly, I did. I did accept it because I still had that that background fear that that eventually, suppose that I hit him hard enough and maybe knock him down or something like that, and then I'll, I'll get all the punishment. So. Well, I didn't want to, but eventually, I did accept it, and the first round was given, and I was just avoiding him, actually, more or less, and and not punching back. Occasionally, I had to punch him back to give him a distance from me, and the second round was about so, and I could see that he was getting a little angry because he wants me to box him, you Mm -hmm. see? So finally, I give two, so at the end of the second round, I started punching back and so on, and I was not avoiding him. And the third round came. And Did yeah. you feel like you could beat him? Were you oh, confident? yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to... My idea was just to avoid him and not getting hit. And, of course, he hit me a couple of good times, too. Mm-hmm. you see, so, and, and, and my corner my, my, my said, you know, I hit him, hit him, and I remember that he made a big lunge to me and I avoided that lunge and I was able to just give him an uppercut and I hit him right underneath the breastbone, right where the two, where the, where the two sets of ribs came together and I saw him double up. And one thought came to me. I could hit him again. I saw that he was holding and he couldn't breathe. So I stopped boxing and I went, walked backwards to, the, to my corner. In the meantime, thinking, oh, what have I done? Mm-hmm. What have I done? And I was overtaken by fear. I was, I was, I was thrilled, thinking, you know, what, what's gonna happen to me?
0: So Fred actually called me after the interview was over just to reiterate how truly afraid for his life he was during this moment.
1: So I stood in the corner and all kinds of thoughts went through me, you see. Some kids, some of my friends said, Harry, you know, Fred, you know, you're doing okay. It's just okay, It'll be, he'll be okay, he'll be okay. So even he was to his corner and, then, and eventually, we, of course the match was over by the time. And and there there was no, no, no winner in this case announced because everyone knew that I could I could floor the guy then at that time. Oh, right. He was my size. He was my size, very quite muscular. And and mm-hmm. the lieutenant after he put his clothes on, he came to me and I thought, uh uh-uh, uh, now he's gotta be and he looked me, he came to me, looked me in the eyes, I stood in I stood in I stood in that attention, you, you know, when someone is in Japanese speak to you stand in attention automatically because otherwise you get again a couple of slaps. Mm-hmm. So I stood in the attention. He, he took something out of his pocket. It was in pink little package, little package, and he gave it to me, and it was hard candy. He came to me and he says, Aringo, Aringo, good boxer. I was dumb found it <laughs> dumbfounded mm-hmm. and i heard someone Fred, fred everything is okay
0: <laughs> so, so then you felt totally relieved
1: yeah, exactly there was a re- there was a sigh of relief more than a sigh
0: if you're multitasking right now and happen to be on your computer check out ursportswear.com there is athletic apparel that's made by women for women And the best thing of all is that the clothes don't ride up. You can use the promo code ETFSHOW and get 15% off your order. After that, I asked Fred about Betty.
1: Well, I was in love with with science, in particular mathematics. (laughs) And
0: so I don't know if you could hear that little laugh, but that was actually my boyfriend, Joey. We had been at Fred's the day before for about six hours listening to amazing stories. And anytime we talked about love or talked about Betty, Fred would start by talking about how much he loved math. So it's no surprise that this is how he began.
1: Uh, being in love and being sort of married to, to mathematics and physics, I didn't pay much attention to to. To getting married or so, because I I had it in mind to to build up first a future for me, and then when I'm in when I'm able to 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 take care of a of a wife, then I would start looking. But then one day I was called by a friend of mine that there was a party at his at at their place, and I had and and would I would I mind? picking up this wonderful lady. They said, well, I said, sure, I'll I'll pick her up. And so I, I decided to work ahead so that I was completely ready for the Saturday party. And and so Saturday morning, I got a call.
0: So the host called and said that he had to cancel. His mom was in the hospital, so he called the party off.
1: And so I, I, I called and it said, her name was, Mrs. Melikowski, first name Betty, and I called her Mrs. Melikowski. Uh, what about we still go out and I'll take you out to eat and whatever? And she said, "Yeah, that would be fine. That would be fine." So, at about six o'clock, six thirty, I came over there, and I had still—I was then—I still had a nice coat from from Holland that I got when I got back from but I got into Holland as a refugee, nice coat. For me it was a nice warm coat and it came to, to to my calves, which is maybe old fashioned, but for a math professor I think suitable.
0: He says it like this because earlier he had told us that Betty hated the coat. She thought it was ugly and she'd actually years later thrown it in the garbage. And he kind of seems like he still can't believe that she threw it out. <laughs>
1: and nice and warm. And this, this was already cold, it was what, what September, I believe. Yeah, September. And so I knocked on the door and she opened. Oh, first I went into the wrong, wrong door. <laughs> you got to the neighbor's house. <laughs> and then I was most probably nervous. But so I knocked on the door eventually and there was, she, she opened the door and I looked and I said to myself, this is the woman I'm going to get married to. And I said, Mrs. Malikowski? And she said, yes. And said, well, you're ready? And so we had but a wonderful day. We went, uh, took it to a Chinese restaurant, and from there we went to the bowler. And there we had, we had some drinks. And from that time on, we saw each other more often. Her father was a very ardent fisherman. He had a fishing house, a fish house on Lake Melissa.
0: That's a lake in northern Minnesota.
1: It was the second time that we were ice fishing. And by that time, I had received news that I was given a grant from the government. And it was was a fantastic grant. We sat there in in the fish house and I said, you know Betty, I received this grant, National Science Foundation Faculty Fellowship. And I was gonna go back to the Illinois Institute of Technology where I got my master's. and um, so I explained to her.
0: In addition to tuition, the grant would provide any kind of apartment that he chose.
1: Two-bedroom apartment, or one-bedroom apartment, or or no, no, no bedrooms at all. You know, this and what I forgot the name of what the, that kind of an uh, of apartment. Oh, like a studio apartment. A studio apartment. So
0: you told Betty those were the options right. that
1: you had. So I said you have to choose, and then she said, "When you." why do you take a two-bedroom apartment? And of course, my question was, why? And she says, well, one is for your office and one is for both of us. And I said, well, then I'll just make you my, and, and, my, my and so I'm gonna ask you my question. Will you become my wife? And she said, yes. And so, so it was quite, later on, I feel that it was quite romantic that, we, that I asked her in a fish house, looking <laughs> down. I didn't even dare to look in her eyes. I looked down in the hole. <laughs> and, and from then on, we made our plans. And, and so the wedding was supposed to be in summer. And so we eventually married at, at the lake. And dad had a small course, uh, golf course there. And we chose, we chose lucky number seven. And that was then where we stood.
0: So, 10 months earlier, you hadn't even thought you'd be married? Had you even been thinking about marriage? No,
1: no. I had, because, after all, I lost five years, and I have to catch up, five years of my education during the war days. I lost them, and I was catching up. My attitude towards, towards women were just like brother and sister, that's all. And, you know, that's what I would, because I do not want to get married if I cannot offer my wife a life that she deserves. That she and I deserve. That is my that was my motto. Yeah, so we our date was set, and of course we had to have an an, an wedding a wedding permit, and it was the place where we get the where you pay your taxes and all that stuff, you see. But so we walked up and and we the wedding asked for a wedding permit and whatever questions were being asked and answered and so I then we had to pay and I looked and I realized I didn't have my billfold with me I didn't have a cent with me not the not the five dollars fee that I have to pay
0: this is just great because he had waited to look for a wife until he felt like he could provide and then in his excitement he forgot his wallet
1: look at Betty I said I can't pay I don't have the money I knew what she was thinking, she had some money and she paid, <laughs> but <laughs> that was quite something blunder from my side maybe, oversight. But being Betty, she considered that a wonderful joke. We bought a house in the country where she always wanted to live and there was a house available and with 140 acres and eventually bought the house and 140 acres in 1968 and, and ever since then we've been living happily together in that house and I'm still living here in the meantime my wife my dear wife Betty passed away.
0: If your heart is breaking it's going to get worse. When we came to visit Fred on his farm within five minutes Joey and I were in tears. Fred had taken us to what he calls the shrine of Betty with pictures of her and him and their life together. He has a picture of her on the kitchen table. It's like a little wallet sized picture and he has it sitting in the fruit bowl propped up and he that's where he eats all of his meals and you can tell he just sits with her still and he read us two poems he'd written for her. we were just in tears.
1: To me I am very lucky to have met her and marry her. And I'm still very lucky, even though she's gone. That's it.
0: Special thanks this week to the Olsen family. Also to Fred Herring. Our theme music is by Danny Giannino, and our art is by Jen Hamilton. Special thanks to Libby Spears of Blueprint Films, and to our sponsor, UR Sportswear. Go to ursportswear.com. Fred wanted to share the names of the boys that he worked with in the factory. They're also listed, as best as we can spell, on our website, etfshow.org.
1: And the group that I was at 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 this uh, workplace in Surabaya are Fred Banges, and there is Napi Rubens, there are the two Martins and there is Anton uh, Pinantuan, and there is Carol Cole, and uh, and then the boss himself, Mr. Kifit, K-I-E-V-I-E-T, Oh, yeah, of course, Lawrence, Lawrence, Lawrence Breuer.
0: That's our show. Thanks for listening.